This podcast features explicit language and spoilers. Welcome to Better Late Than Never. This is a movie podcast where I invite my friends to watch a blockbuster, a cult favorite, or an otherwise culturally significant film that they've somehow never seen before. After we watch the movie, my guests will decide if the movie was better late, that they've been missing out by not having seen the film before, or if it was never the movie didn't live up to the hype for them. My name is Dave, and I'm your host. And this week, I am joined by two returning regular guests, the demon-blooded mayhem makers, Aaron and Faith. <laughs> and we're booking tickets to Florida so we can all go on spring break. That's right. We are treating Faith to her first time ever viewing of a film that I watched three times in theaters, Spring Breakers from 2012. Friends, welcome to the show. Excuse me, what did you call us earlier? <laughs> what an introduction. Wow. I actually took the time to write something down. Well, David shows you should really prepare more. <laughs> prepare more good god guys first of all welcome back to the show welcome thank you friends. so much thank you it's Dave. always a pleasure it's always nice to have you and um you know before we launch into uh talking about the movie sprang breakers i wanted to ask you guys uh y'all y'all remember spring break yeah. Oh, I think I don't, and that's the measure of a good spring break, right? Hey, Ooh, I don't even remember go. it. You guys go on spring break? I mean, and what do you mean by go on spring break? I never, unfortunately. Well, yeah, here's the the first thing is, did you ever actually do the traditional wild spring break where, like, you, you fly to Cancun? Are you or assuming to that Florida? we went to a college? I I mean. <laughs> Yes, we are. We're college educated. Mm. Uh, I unfortunately never had that experience. I had a lot of other really quite amazing um, experiences that were spring break-esque in So nature. you've been on a vacation before, just never. Oh, this is so embarrassing. I've actually never been on a vacation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my God. God. <laughs> you know, Aaron has <laughs> never left Boston. I vacay shamed you. <laughs> Uh, what about him. you, Faith? I mean, I had a very long spring break as part of my college. It was um, a month long, and um, I only went to non-spring breaky, breaky places during that time. 
So like she went like horseback riding in Scotland or something. Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I went to like Italy or Hungary or something else because in those days I went to school in the UK and a flight those days was cheaper than a taxi. So does the I, UK do yeah. spring break the same way the United States does? I mean, if there was a spring break in the UK, I mean, British people really like to go to Ibiza as they pronounce uh, it. Ibiza. Yeah. Ugh. So, I mean, if there was a spring break, it would probably be to like a Spanish or a Greek island or something. But Sounds I don't know. Dope. Yeah. Sounds better than Miami. Well, I did Me. once go to Mallorca on spring break, but it rained the whole time. I was sorry, like, don't what you mean the- Mallorca? What the heck is this? Ibiza. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I'm sorry it rained. Yeah. But okay. And I mean, like, I'm I'm sure you guys, I mean feel free to share as much as you feel comfortable with. But I, I believe that you two are familiar with um, drinking a lot and going going crazy with friends at a place that's not your home, right? I've actually never done that. I seen? only do that at home. Jeez. <laughs> Dave, what about you? What about your spring break experience? Did you ever have the like girls gone wild? Yeah, tell us I was one of the girls story. actually yeah. once. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, you know, was in one of the videos. Uh, I got got the beads and everything. Was that weird when you bought the video, <laughs> or was that like all? I got it for it? free because I was one of the gone wild the ladies. You, you weren't actually requested to flash, though. You just <laughs> like like kind of crashed, like bombed the video. Do they give you a free hat? Oh yeah. Yep. And a free See? copy of the video. Just missed out on all of that. Mm. I do remember lots of think pieces from that time about, you know, what does Girls Gone Wild mean for culture? Uh, what did they say? Uh, I think it really depends on if it was a guy or a lady writing the piece. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, anyway, I just thought I'd bring it up before we started talking about this excellent, excellent film because, you know, believe oh it or gosh. not, guys. Spring Breakers is about spring break. Spoiler See, alert. <clears throat> Spoiler that was my alert. number one your, prediction. Is this your favorite movie of all time? Of all time? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> Just... uh, not of all time, but um, I mean, we can get into it more in part two, but uh, I do like this movie, yes. Faith, you have not seen this movie, correct? Correct. And Aaron, you have seen the movie? I saw it once when it like first came out. So it's been a while. I don't remember a lot of it. Uh, Of course, there are certain scenes that I cannot burn out of my brain, but you know. (laughs) Okay. And uh, again, as I think I've made pretty obvious, I have seen the film and like it a lot. Faith, why'd you you choose this movie to do on the podcast? Uh, Well, I think part of it has already been answered by yourself which is that i know that you really love this movie and i have an instinct that i will not like this movie oh damn so you could say i'm coming in with my fired my viewpoints very close towards this film no no i mean i'm open to see what i think of it but it you know based on the little bit that i know about it which is not that much i feel like i won't care for it Rick and Morty all over again. That's all fun. No, that I really gave it a fair shot. I'd like. Oh, to. but this one you're not even going to bother. <laughs> no, no, very much not. Okay. Well, 
does does anybody else that you know besides me ever talk about this movie either positively or negatively does it have a reputation in the culture at large like what I do think you think this it's movie kind of like it's kind of like cilantro like it really is Ew. a love it or <laughs> Aaron hates that it's a love it or hate it kind of film like people are like spring breakers I have no feelings on that movie whatsoever. No, that's not usually. People are like, oh, I love that movie. Or people are like, no, I really don't like that movie. So I think that's always interesting when a film is polarizing like that. Have they ever clarified why, either one way or another? Not really, no. Okay. I want. It's like sometimes you have a feeling about a thing and it's hard to classify why your viewpoint is so strong. So yeah, I'll be interested to know if when I do develop an opinion, if I can say if it's like a feeling or give some concrete reasons. Mm. You know how much we love feelings on the podcast and discussing them. Well, let me ask you, Faith, do you know who directed the movie? I think I do, yes. Um, I think that it's directed by um, Harmony Corrine. And who is that? So Harmony Corrine was an indie filmmaker starting in the 90s. And I have a little bit of a history with him in that I saw, I believe, his first feature, Kids, uh, when I was far too young, <laughs> like maybe 11. And yeah. Yes, uh, not a description of its intended audience. Exactly. I mean, it was much talked about at the time. And so I think we rented it from Hollywood Express, you know, formidable establishment uh, of Ca Cambridge days past. Mm. And um, yeah, I remember, well, I think I remember like the scene where the two boys like are playing around with tampons and like, I was like, this is so gross. And yeah, there was just like a lot of sex in the movie. I believe I fast forwarded some of it and yeah, it was pretty disturbing. Um, I mean, it's mm. like, yeah, it's not even just sex. It's virginal AIDS sex, which is, you know, the worst kind there of on disturbing spoilers sex. for kids. Yeah, um, spoilers for kids. Sorry. I mean, he does have kids, that reputation. Yeah, spoilers for a 30 year old movie. Well, Aaron, what about you? Do you uh, know slash like or dislike Harmony Kareen? So I have only other than this other than Spring Breakers, I've actually only seen kids. I haven't really seen any of his other work. I mean, there is something, I guess, to be said about, he, he seems to have a particular sort of niche of um, portraying the sort of like shocking underbelly of youth culture. He almost has that sort of link lighter, like let's just see what these kids do, just hanging around, being normal or whatever. But I don't really know, I, I mean, I also probably saw kids when I was a little bit too young, but I remember thinking that um, Chloe Savini, that's her name, right? Yeah, she was just like the coolest. But overall, I thought the movie was edgy, but boring at the same time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Hart, like Harmony Crane has some certain like hallmarks, I think, which is what you said, Erin, that like naturalistic dialogue. Um, so I'm kind of expecting that to be semi-present in this film as well. I mean, definitely agree about the sort of raw way of portraying youth. I think kind of a nihilistic way of portraying youth culture yeah. as well. Um, there is another film, I think that he made Gummo. Is that right, Dave? Did he make that movie? Yep. Which I've seen part of and which is quite 
quite disturbing as well, perhaps even more so than kids takes place in kind of like the rural South or something like that, or a rural America. Um, so yeah, I think that his earlier films were indie films. And I think there's like kind of a very raw element to the filmmaking as well as the dialogue. And I believe this was his first spring breakers was his first Hollywood backed film. And so I'm I'm expecting it to be a little sleeker perhaps than those earlier movies, maybe a little better produced Hollywood style. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, part and parcel is what you guys have been saying about, you know, what you think, uh, the director's work is like and what you've seen before. What do you think the movie's actually about? Well, Apart from being about that. spring break. Cause I yeah. do know. Yeah. So. Well, I, okay. I mean, I have heard um, a little bit about this movie in terms of, um, you know, who's in it and who's in it. Okay. So I think that James Franco is in this film and I think I even know what he looks like, I believe, and that he has a weird kind of accent. Can you uh, perform it for us? Maybe? I, I absolutely <laughs> can and will not, but I believe it might be described by some as urban or, you know, sort of an accent that's kind of like, par like parodying what it's like for someone who wants to be like a pimp or a drug dealer. Because I think he plays a role similar to that type of would-be pimp or a drug dealer or something like that. I think he has like cornrows in the film. I believe that Selena Gomez is in this movie. Um, I think that Chloe Grace Moretz is in this movie. Uh, I'm going to throw in maybe, I don't know, Hannah Montana, um, Amanda Wait Bynes. a minute. <laughs> Hannah Montana. Lindsay Lohan circa 2003. Um, so Haley literally Hills Lindsay Lohan from Temple. 2003. Uh, maybe Molly Ringwald makes a cameo. No, those, the last ones are jokes. But I do think that Selena Gomez and Chloe Grace Moretz are in the film as some of the girls who go wild. Okay. So you also think that girls go wild? I think that girls do go wild. I think that the girls sort of like are about to be like on the verge of being exploited by this James Franco character. And then maybe they join forces. And I seem to remember... I had forgotten, but then it came sort of came back to me when I was making my predictions before this, that maybe they get into bank robbing. So I think girls gone wild and then they go robbing banks. That's my prediction. This is a question I don't usually ask, but I think it might be appropriate for this movie. Where do you think the movie takes place? I'm going to say Southern California. My, my backup answer is Mexico. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, a, a hot weather location. Hmm. Because they have to wear as little clothing as possible when they're doing all these stunts. Right, right. Like, I'm hoping that it's kind of a meta sort of take on the male gaze of this spring break culture. I worry that based on my past experience with Harmony Crane, while he may be taking a certain viewpoint of what is like youth sexuality, youth culture, it may come off as gratuitous. I'm hoping it doesn't. Um, yeah, I guess that I'm worried about like my view of what's what would be a commentary on this subject may differ from Harmony Crane's. I mean, ultimately, I think the message of mov the movie is going to be like, 
feminism is the sexy friends that we made along the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope you're right. Me too, Dave. <laughs> um, are there any quotes from this movie that you know? Take it off? No, I don't. I don't know any quotes. What about particular shots or images that you think you may have seen that are from this movie? So I think it's very possible that I had seen the trailer um, because I like watching trailers. Um, so I think, right? Um, For real. So I think that there may be a shot of them like putting on masks as in like bank robbing type masks. Like a um, balaclava style. Exactly. And like maybe they're wearing bikinis while they do it. Okay. That's it really, except I, I do kind of have a picture of how ridiculous James Franco looks. Like I think he's like wearing a grill or something. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, James Franco. Last question or last specific question for me, Faith, is is there any music from this movie that you think you may know is coming or anything like that? Or even a style of music? Um, no, I don't think there is. So I guess okay. if I think of if I think of like music about spring break, it's all like MTV circa two thousand and one, which is probably the last time I regularly watched anything on MTV. Those are so, different days, man. Britney was free. Oh, I just watched the Britney documentary. <laughs> Same. Should we just do a podcast on we that? We just do a podcast on that. Maybe, that would just, be we're great. pivoting. We're pivoting. Just dating ourselves immediately. <laughs> All right, so you think it's MTV circa 2001 music. Yeah, actually, I have no idea when this movie takes place. I'm going to say... I'm going to say that, like, cell phones and the internet don't play a big part of the plot of this film, so it's kind of a timeless mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it, it could be modern, except for the fact that nobody's using a cell phone. Right. So it's kind of in this anytime USA sort of, I feel you. All right. Well, you know, that's all I have for the specific, you know, interrogation that I had planned. Do you have any other predictions or any hopes for the movie that you want to get down on record? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I hope that there's some good characterization of the female characters and that like, that the scenes maybe with just them are fun maybe some nice lines like I don't know if if in this he took a departure and wrote a script for it because I don't know I mean maybe Chloe Grace Moretz is up to it not to put Selena Gomez down but I'm not sure how good she would be at improvising dialogue I am guess I guess I'm predicting we'll get quite a lot of uh montaged in the film which isn't necessarily Harmony Korine style but is sort of what you would expect of a movie about spring break okay I'll get sure, I, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna predict there's gonna be at least one montage okay okay involving okay. bikinis and possibly bank robbing <laughs> okay <laughs> all right well Aaron do you have anything you want to add I mean I know you've seen the movie so you'll you know You'll pop in more once we come back for part two. But do you have anything you right, want to say before sure. we wrap up this section of the pod? Um, you know, not really. I mean, again, I remember what I remember from the movie, which is the 
some of the most memorable scenes, which we will discuss, of course, next time. Did you actually did you actually say if you liked it, though, Aaron, or you remember liking it or not? I have not commented on whether or not I enjoy the movie, actually, because I kind of. How do I, it's, it is sort of this Harmony Kareen like effect where like, was that good? I don't even know. What did I just watch? Like, what's happening? Um, so I kind of want to reserve that judgment for after I rewatch it. Yeah, maybe this will help clarify like, it for you. What? Um, so, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I'm looking for clarification as to whether or not I like this movie. I'm definitely going to be watching this movie with an eye to what made Dave go back for that third time in the theaters. Yeah, see if you can figure it out. You can, uh, if if it comes to you, you can uh, write it down, and we can we can discuss it in part two. Yeah, the exact the exact moment. Ooh, that's a fun that's a fun exercise. I like that. And, and like you know, if we can just like get on the surface of your tortured mind, Dave, you know that'll be that'll be a part two worth listening to. Ooh, I don't know if you want to explore that too deep. That is, I a... said the surface. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because that is a way less fun place to be than on spring break. But along those lines, very nice segue. Guys, let us watch this movie. Let's go on spring break. Woo! Spring Woo! break! Spring break! Woo! All right. We'll be back. This is the part where we're watching the movie. And now it's done. And so welcome home, everyone. We're back from spring break. All a little older, a little wiser, having learned some valuable lessons about gun safety and tanning oil and the proper way to store our shorts, every color. Just quick hits at the top. Really curious. Faith, did you like it? Uh, <laughs> just turning to page four of my notes. What did I just watch? Uh, yeah, page. Yeah, you did. Uh, interesting. All right. I I was genuinely uncertain. That was that was not a yeah. I liked the movie, Dave. <laughs> oh. Oh come on, Faith. Don't you want to have some fun, Faith? Just have some fun with it. Faith, you got a wild side, Faith. Come on, you want to do, Dave? Do you want to do this or don't you? I do. Well, right. you aren't scared. Scaredy <laughs> pants. Scared you, punk. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about you, Aaron? Do you like this film? I haven't decided. Still, I'm hoping to decide by the end of this podcast. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at too. Okay. It's up to you to convince me. No, there's some some things I like very much about this movie and other things I don't like as much. I think that's totally fair. There are things about this movie that still confuse and elude me, too. It's a very slippery film in a lot of ways, and I think we'll get to that. But to start with, I guess I'll talk about how we mentioned in part one that I've seen this movie a lot. Well, it's not surprising, Dave. It's an hour and 34 minutes long. Yeah, it's nice and short. Just quick in and out. That's I the, love that's it. That's the thing I noticed first before we even pressed play. Aaron and I actually kind of watched this movie simultaneously, um, even though we were not together. We were 
we were. You Gilmore texted like, it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so before we press play, I noticed the length, and I was like, "Oh no wonder Dave saw this movie three times." The we speculated length. several times which scene made it that you had to go back a second and third time. Yeah, There's a lot of a lot two. of my notes, I was talking There's talking two, directly okay. to you. I was like, "Dave, you perv!" In after the first. Scene. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah there's there's some of those too but i basically took this movie to be you know your mission statement and, and your bible old testament only of course there's a lot i like about it but so i saw it three times in theaters which is second only to jurassic park for film i've seen the most in theaters jp i saw four times in the theaters the first time i went and actually went and saw it by myself. It was one of those uh, just go to the movies by yourself kind of deals. I love love doing that. I miss it so much. Yeah, same. Same. And I went and saw it, and I loved it. I thought it was really funny, and it was just like an all-time great movie-going experience. And the second two times were me dragging other people to go see it. Um, I'll say I was a little apprehensive as to what the viewing experience was going to be because uh, this is a thing about this movie is that um, I didn't really like the rest of Harmony Korine's work. I'd never actually made it through one of his films before. I didn't like kids. I hated Gummo. Uh, I'd seen like bits and pieces of Julian Donkey Boy, didn't like it. So I didn't like Harmony Kareen's work. I would just Why? like to say, I think it's interesting because I was listening to another one of your episodes um, earlier and you have the, you have this like ability to just walk out or stop a movie that you are like not immediately like responding to. And I think that's impressive. I feel like if I'm halfway through a movie and I don't like it, I always just like, you know, stick it out and wait till the end. And I, I'm just impressed by your ability to just be like, nope. I mean, I stop a lot of movies at home because I get bored, but I don't, I can try to think of any movie that I've walked out of in the theater. I can't really. Yeah. I mean, to walk out in a theater is a higher threshold. So then when you took people, you, when you went back and took people to the theaters, like what did your friends that you dragged think of the film? They all loved it too. I wanted they to see this in the men. first place though. Yeah, I, I got over my apprehension because <laughs> the trailer for this really caught my eye. The It's eye-catching. The, the aesthetic of the movie, the visual aesthetic mm-hmm. was extremely eye-catching. I thought it looked visually very pretty and that I goes agree. a long way for me. And um, I, I thought, you know, I know Harmony Corrine isn't big on kind of traditional narrative storytelling, and I am. And so that was kind of a big problem for me with him going on. But a big problem for me in previous movies of his had been that um, the images he chooses to put on screen tended to be very repulsive but I was like, if in this movie, the images are going to be extremely pretty. And I don't just mean 19 year old girls. girls. I was I just going to say like, like, say like all the boobs. <laughs> I mean, the cinematography, like the sure. neon colors and Love that. You know, the 
the I mean, sun-drenched atmosphere. Beautifully. Like, we'll talk about the cinematographer, too, in a minute. Absolutely. Um, I, I just would like to say I totally agree with the colors. It was very beautiful to watch. And one thing I will say is that the movie warmed me up. Yeah, it looks right now great. Because not only is it just very beautiful to look at, aside from just oversaturation of boobs, like... Oh my God, we get it. Yeah, I actually think um, the boobs is to the movie's minus. Yeah, it's like just oversaturatedly engulfed in the male gaze. But aside from that, um, it is just really pretty to look at the neon, the warm colors, and also just seeing all these people in like a close having space fun. together. Having yeah, it hits, fun. it hits harder in this particular uh, moment. Really, I, know. I will I say know, that, that part warms me up. <laughs> No, it made you anxious. Why aren't they wearing masks? I mean, it's interesting to compare this movie to Harmony Crane's previous film because it shares plenty of things in terms of its, you know, the way the story is told and maybe the dialogue and, and the character development or lack thereof. Um, but I mean, it is a bit of a departure in terms of the filmmaking style. You can tell he had a little bit more money behind it, or at least I assume so, because his previous films, if you're talking about uh, Just Kids and Gummo, which are the ones I've seen that a long time ago are, you know, very much indie films. They're kind of raw. And this one is much sleeker. I mean, it's an art film, but it has, it's kind of like an art film meets a Hollywood film. So yeah. that yeah. like, even though like this is a Harmony Crane movie, it's Harmony Crane trying something new in terms of like the actual filmmaking tools that he's able to employ. He described it as wanting to make a Britney Spears video mixed with a Gaspar No film. Yeah, I mean, that tracks. I think okay, I would yes. say mission accomplished there. Whether I actually enjoyed that mission is um, another thing. Like, I think that this movie is not boring. It's, I don't know if it's good or not, but it's it's entertaining in the way that a music video can be entertaining. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment. Also, free Britney. <laughs> oh, we'll come uh, back to that. Yeah. So every five minutes. <laughs> This movie, and this is sort of like the last little kind of like big ranty thing I'll do before we launch into the traditional breakdown of the film that we do. Um, Spring Breakers fell into this weird phenomenon that happened in like 2012 and 2013 of movies that came out that were movies that I loved by directors that I usually hated their work. And... It was a series of movies. Um, it was this, The Bling Ring by Sofia Coppola and Pain and Gain by Michael Bay. Oh, I haven't seen Pain and Gain. And there, there was a, a kind of a similarity between all of them too in that all of the movies, they came out all around the same time. They were all specifically geared towards tackling kind of the emptiness and consumerism of American culture, particularly amongst teens, at least in two of them, and how this can kind of lead towards amoral and often lawless behavior, and maybe even like in a, in a couple of them, some shocking violence. And they also tended to have a similar aesthetic quality, you know, with a very sun-drenched backdrops in either Florida or California in very rich areas. I mean, you know, Spring Breakers goes between rich and poor areas. And, you know, it can be either like very crass or very classy moneyed areas, but still a lot of money focus. And it just, it was always these movies that I just loved. 
And they're the only movies I like from these directors where I don't like anything else that they've done. And I just think it's really interesting. I was actually very surprised when I saw the year that Spring Breakers um, was made because in my memory, it was only about five years ago. Whereas in fact, you know, if, if it was shot in 2011, this movie is 10 years old at this point. Um, Cause I remembered yeah. it as being much more recent. In fact, Faith, you had mentioned that you're like, does this take place in 2005? Well, I'm convinced that it takes place in approximately 2002, 2003, unless it's in an alternate universe where there's no social media. But I think that if he was, you know, I think that having social media like as part of this movie's narrative would have not detracted from the story of like them seeing pictures of spring break on Facebook or whatever and being really jealous or like I think that that could have played into the story so I I just really think it does track as being set in the the early aughts what do you think Dave there's very little technology no it's okay I I mean I, I found that refreshing honestly there is a little bit of it just with like the um there's like a couple references to YouTube maybe and you know oh, okay. some of that but other than that it's it's a little dateless like there's a couple of cell phones and they're old-fashioned flip phones I think but not very much uh, not a lot of interactions with computers other than watching some cartoons on them I think uh, um, or the pink-haired girl watching like underground boxing with her friends. Yeah. I don't know if anyone uh, else it, noticed it that. Is, I would say, <laughs> like, and you predicted this, right, Faith, that it would be kind of dateless? I mean, it's dateless, but it's also the aesthetic of the spring type of spring break that it was trying to portray really did track with that era. Yeah, especially me. um James Franco Alien's style. And the girls' style, the way they looked and the type of bathing suits they were wearing. I mean, I don't know. I think it's partly like Harmony Corrine's heyday and taste of like when he was probably, you know, the cool kid with like some money and some influence in that time. I feel like he is trying to. I don't maybe feel like... although some of the uh, spring break footage was real. So. Oh know. yeah, I'm not saying that it wasn't. I'm just saying that like it's. It, I think Harmony Corrine kind of is treading this interesting line of like being an observer versus a participant as a filmmaker. Like I don't think yeah. he is necessarily trying to look at this with an entirely outside eye, which tracks with like his previous work, especially kids. And so I think that's a good point for us to launch into our normal meta conversation. So for background. Number one, I wanted to mention that this is one of the very first movies to come from the studio A24, which Mm -hmm. I think is uh, proven itself to be a pretty strong movie studio over the past 10 years. They did like Ex Machina, Room, The Witch, Moonlight, The Lighthouse. Oh, there was kind of a moonlight scene in this film. Mm. Yeah, uh, Amy, that documentary on... Mm-hmm. So uh, they produced that TV show with Zendaya, Euphoria. Oh yeah, so I you can love Euphoria. See, kind of like a sort of like modern underground, sort of like hip kind of style to what they put out. Euphoria yeah. is very kind of much in the in the style and vein of this movie, actually, except with totally. a, like a little bit of less boobs and more dicks. <laughs> There's at least hey, an even right. amount of genitalia. Gender equality. That's right. Um, so the cinematographer for this movie is Benoit Deby, 
who is a frequent collaborator with Gaspar No, who Harmony Kareen like went out and tried to get this guy because of you know his goals for the movie. And I think it shows because, like I said, you know, it's not just about the titillation of the film, pun intended. Uh, it's that I think the movie actually is gorgeous to look at. Mm-hmm. The guy's a skilled cinematographer. I definitely would agree with that. I, I I love the color, the choice of colors, and you know, they really they find an excuse to make everything like dark and neon or like you know saturated color wise, even if it doesn't even make sense for the scene. Like they're in like a a huge student hall during class and there's still all this like neon pink coming from like all the screens, you know, they find a way, yeah. um, which I, def- I I liked. It's definitely, you know, shares in common with a lot of art films or auteur films in that there's clearly a vision that's being executed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. And then, you know, I mentioned a lot of the spring break footage is real. Uh, but so speaking of vision, let's talk about Harmony Kareen. So, he first broke out because he didn't direct, but he wrote kids. And then he wrote and directed uh, several films, including Gummo, the movie Julian Donkey Boy, which actually was a stab at doing a Dogma 95 movie, a uh, movie called Mr. Lonely, Trash Humpers, and then just kind of recently a movie called The Beach Bum. And then he's also done a bunch of music videos, which I think comes across in this movie. So what do we think of him? Well, I stick by my assessment. I've only seen kids and I stick by my original assessment. I think of it just being, I remember it being edgy, but boring. Mm. Um, I think that he would be well suited for music videos, but I do find his sort of meandering narrative style um, not as endearing as when other directors do it for some reason. I don't know exactly what that is. I never, I always leave never knowing what I think of him. I feel like, I don't know. Faith? Yeah. I mean, I'm not convinced that he has a lot to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I agree with Aaron in that, you know, his work often leaves me not cold exactly, but conflicted because it's not that he's not, Um, a a keen observer and I use observer as someone with a point of view he's you're observing the film like through the lens that he is putting across like he has a voice I just think that that voice is a bit empty and that you know could track with some of the critiques of that people have about you know, modern culture and youth and society, the the critiques people make about young people, both in the 90s and the aughts and now, the thing that people always say about young people, they don't believe in anything, they don't stand for anything, they're just, you know, obsessed with consumerism or obsessed with sex or obsessed with aesthetic beauty. Like, he's kind of a mirror onto those type of critiques of the last sort of generation and a half. Yeah, he he does have this sort of nihilistic, like hedonistic view based on, you know, the limited movies I've seen by him. And this definite theme of perverting innocence, which is, in my opinion, a huge theme of this movie. He just makes everything and, and also with kids, just this idea of just looking at innocence through this perverse lens and also the process of perverting it more seems I mean, I to think, be a theme I think for him. he does have some interesting ideas 
that I don't necessarily agree with about individual agency and how like he makes his characters make choices or not make choices or not have the ability to make choices based on their environment. You know, I'm thinking about kids, the information that people had about the other characters, what they were like, what they were doing, you know, who had HIV and like what sex and what like the idea of sexuality and sex and culture, how that makes people act. And that comes through a lot in this movie too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, again, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know about his views on women in general. Um, I'm not saying he doesn't, he's not interested in showing women. I just don't know. He's definitely interested in showing women. (laughs) Right. But it's not, it's not that he's not interested in showing them doing things on their own. Yeah. It's just in terms of his view of like the female journey, it's, it's a little awkward. I'm not sure that he gets it. So I agree with you, Faith. Um, This movie, I really have trouble nailing down with this. If, you know, it's like there's clearly more going on with this film than just a simple crass showing of TNA and nothing more than that. But at the same time, I don't know if there's much more than that. Right. Going I don't on. think there's I, much more. Yeah, it's 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 deeper than that, but I don't think maybe a lot deeper. I, I don't I have the same problem with you in that he clearly has something to say, but I don't know if he has a lot to say. And I kind of struggle with that a little bit. Uh, but what I think saves this movie is the fact that this movie is pretty enough and in some scenes funny enough that for me it just didn't ultimately matter and I can just sort of enjoy the film. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was trying to say before in like alluding to him being too much a part of this world. Like he's not the same age as the characters who were like in Spring Break um, in like say the early aughts to the mid aughts. But I do kind of feel like he is in this world and that's, he's not out of it enough to be saying something deeper about it. Um, He's not self-reflective enough about it or, you know, very reflective at all other than showing it in all its ugliness. Yeah, I think that's about as far as it goes. You can really see that with Faith's character because like she just really sucks. That character is like really I don't think he thinks very highly of her either. And I have, you know, we'll get to it, but I have notes on Selena well, Gomez's performance. I mean, I did get, write, let's get to it. Now. I did write to the okay. end of the movie. I'll just, I'll just say one more thing about Harmony Korine directly, which I wrote at the end of like sort of towards the end of my notes, which is that this is not necessarily a bad movie, but I kind of think Harmony Korine's an asshole. And that just uh, comes through in the movie. I'm like, whoever made this is a jerk. <laughs> and yeah. like, That's it's funny. not even that I really know much about the person or the filmmaker other than having seen like some of his work and kind of hearing about his reputation as, you know, one of those like bad boy filmmakers, which, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't come from like a Hollywood background. So he is kind of discovered, self-made, whatever. It's interesting, but yeah. Uh, Don't worry, we I, can circle back uh, at mm-hmm. the end to Final Judgments. But for the cast, um, so we got James Franco playing Alien. Uh, Fun fact about this was that 
he got sued by the rapper Riff Raff for mm-hmm. basically ripping <laughs> off his life and his essence in doing this character. Um, the lawsuit got rejected, but it's it's pretty funny. Franco said that, uh, well, he did kind of, he talked to Riff Raff and consulted his videos in making the character. Uh, James Franco claims that it's more based on this other rapper named Dangerous. Uh-huh. Okay. So. He looks exactly like, I literally, my, my roommate. You checked it out. Uh, this is my roommate's favorite movie, apparently, which makes perfect sense, uh, knowing does. my roommate. Um, roommate and yes. yeah, and anyway. um, he told right. me that. So I looked up a picture of Riff Raff and I'm like, OK, well, clearly this character <laughs> is Riff Raff, like quite obviously. I mean, that is interesting about like James Franco as an actor, like we can talk more about him, but like he really likes to get into character. And I think he's not necessarily the best at creating his own characters. So I think he likes to base something off an existing persona. Well, I think he did a fantastic job playing um, Tommy Wiseau. But I do. <laughs> I know. Speaking actually. of a, speaking of kind of a guilty pleasure film, yeah. right? I actually enjoyed the Disaster Artist, but um, and I thought there was certain scenes. <laughs> I thought for you him. meant in this movie. I was like, that oh. totally makes sense. He's kind of a. <laughs> Tommy, what a weirdish alienish character in this. Totally, picture. and he's think- he's very good in this role. But I gotta say, there are times where I think he's a little stiff in the character. Personally. Oh no, uh, uh-uh. I think he's- I, I've, I. That's how I feel. There's I, certain. I would have given him an Oscar. I think Maybe. he could have pushed himself a little bit further. Even I think that there are some scenes where he takes me out of it a little bit and is a little stiff. That's just my assessment. Yeah, well, I, I just think there's a few scenes where they should have cut a little earlier when it starts to become like James Franco, the monologue, the movie. But I think he was probably either riffing or there was a much longer um, speech that he was giving and that's more maybe more on the filmmaking side that they, sh- they shouldn't have held it so long because like that character is already such a caricature of themselves that you kind of mm-hmm. do want to keep it bite-sized otherwise it falls into self-parody and I do think it's quite a good performance because it's you know the only real character that's developed in this film in my opinion but maybe it went slightly overboard <laughs> Dave, I'm sensing you don't agree with that He's I like, don't, but harmony, harmony. I got, I got this, this nursery rhyme I want to read. Okay, I wrote a nursery rhyme. Just let me read it slowly and creepily. The the chicken one, the chicky one. Yeah, he's a rapper. <laughs> a lot of, so, lot of chicken themes in this film. A lot of perverting innocence, in my opinion. Selena Gomez played Faith. Faith character. That's what I wrote. Faith, I like you. Okay, I just want you to know that I like you and I'm going to let nothing bad happen to you. uh, I have to go. Will you stop like touching my face, please? Why are you upset? (laughs) I want you to know that when I'm with your friends, I'm going to be thinking about you. (laughs) This podcast is now a cry for help. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did write down every time. Well, Faith was, first of all, one of the only ones who had like kind of some personality traits earlier on in the film, like that were separate from the other three girls. So I did write down some of some of Faith's traits and uh, the ways in which we are alike and different. Let's hear it. I mean, well, yeah, the God stuff is a little on the nose. That's true. Um, and um, the way that she was like lying to her parents, classic, classic way of, faith being evasive 
um, you know, she's a little bit uh, the existential angst, like the one time a female character talks for like more than four lines um, when she had that voiceover that you were like, this is getting a little boring. You know, that, I, that angst tracks as well. But. Sure. I like could not listen to all of it, though, especially all the parts where she's like, I feel so free. Like we've really found ourselves here. Like, you know, we can be really be who we are here. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Like, oh, I think that was really that was are. the monologue from the end, though that that starts in the middle. Well, both of those things. The it's given twice, but it's um, given by two different characters, and uh, I think there's a reason for that. But we oh, can gotcha. talk about that when it comes up. Um, f- speaking about faith, though, I felt like her church service was like an AA meeting. I couldn't tell what she was at. I don't know. It seemed strange to have like a night church service and then like everyone's out smoking cigarettes afterwards I actually not like my church experience but I really liked that that was the first time I was like okay I'm interested in where part of this movie is going I almost wish I mean I thought that was actual good character development in the background about her character because the opening scene is just okay guys this is you know this is spring break you know you got boobs you got you know, body diversity only in boob size. Um, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you got a lot of white people dancing on a beach with their clothes off. You have EDM music. I was like, oh my God, this song, I hate it. But then- the, You should then have the predicted tr- that it would show up though, Faith. I know. Very I disappointed know. in you. Right? Um, but then but then the, uh, the, the, the scene, uh, it's because it's like, it's really introducing their background, what kind of background they come from, which is like, they're, I think they're at like a Southern university and like a very large college and yeah there's all sorts of things going on there and and like religion is a big part of college life there for some people what did you think of i'm just gonna call them the the demons and that's candy and brit played by vanessa hudgens and ashley benson respectively well i think that the rest of the girls including the blonde one what's her name or i'm sorry the pink haired one that's Cotty, played Cotty. by rachel kareen yeah harmony kareen's wife interesting yep. um i liked them all better than faith <laughs> sorry faith <laughs> feels really weird to i mean say she, that. Was, she was a bit um, of a stick in the mud she's a stick in the mud also to be perfectly honest i kind of i understand that selena gomez was supposed to play her character sort of like subdued and innocent and like confused by like what's going on but i also found her a little bit stiff um and kind of flat acting yeah, she, wise she's personally. not really suited to this type of naturalistic style because you know what she's one probably one of her first films after you know being a a disney girl right so i think the others adapted much better Vanessa Hudgens is a Disney girl. No, true, but I think she did a much more naturalistic job in terms of like Mm -hmm. the way that the the you know character development or lack thereof or the dialogue, you know, the minimalistic dialogue is fitting in. Yeah, I did I did find a lot of the girls' lines in the early part when they're in college pretty stilted. And I don't know if that's the part of the way the lines were written or the actress's delivery. All Um, of them. But yeah, I say the D, I, I, you know, I, they're, they're fun. They're pretty one dimensional. They're like, we just like to like laugh and like, we're all going to like play these like childlike games, but they're like kind of sexualized and like, maybe we're going to kiss or at least going to like almost kiss like a lot. And then we're going to get like hyper violent and like laugh a lot. I don't know. You know, that was like pretty much their, 
their shtick, which is fun, I guess. But Did you know people like, like that in college? A few, I, mean, I guess. I, I just didn't think they seemed like no, I don't. I mean, I don't think they really seemed like real people. And they didn't. And they were very. They very much seemed to be created from a male perspective. Yes. So, I mean, very much so. Um, I would just like to point out because this is the first time that I think. What is it? It's a popsicle. There are an unbelievable amount of. There's an unbelievable amount of imagery to giving a blowjob in this movie, both like overtly and whatever. And it's like amazing all the items that they use to like make this blowjob imagery. Um, and I think one of them, it's the first one they have like the popsicle. Um, and then uh, I don't know which one of the demons it is, but you know, she's got the gun and she's like. really into like putting the gun in her mouth and considering um, there's not actually a lot of sex depicted until later in the film there is a lot of um you know like evoking you know especially fellatio uh because i think like that's kind of reflective of the way that spring break was shown on tv and in the media at this time you know as much as they could get away with showing teenage girls like being super sexy and like being like they have sex wink wink but it's off screen. But it's in a Britney Spears way. Like this exactly. is sort of like a Britney Spears era of like the, you know, young girl that's like not so innocent, you know, that kind of thing. That's- well, they right. like having so- fun. They, they talk about having fun like every, that's most of their lines. It's like, we just, yeah, just want to have fun. fun. Yeah. That is all they talk about. And I feel like though there is something deeper wrong with them well yeah they're at, psychos also <laughs> but they're literally psychos right so there's kind of three levels of girl in this movie so you've got the two demons you've got Cody, who's happy to go along for the ride with them until things get really serious and then you've got faith who's just like the innocent who doesn't get it and you know is out pretty early and- yeah, and I think that's a clever structure. Um, I, Aaron and I had some agreement on how many people should have been left at the end. The fact that the two demons are there at the end, but you know, yeah. um, I do think it's clever to have them sort of being peeled off one by one. And I was like, okay, another one bites the dust. And when they are like the other ones are on the bus home. Yeah, yeah. Well, so th- there isn't a lot of plot to this movie, but we can recap it such as it is. The movie starts and they're at their college. And, you know, we see that this is the best and brightest that America has to offer. This is the youth. This is our hope for the future. We uh, meet Candy and Britt, uh, the two mains in class, which, by the way, if you go back and watch, is a surprisingly rigorous class. The material is kind of uh, heavy. And also, if you listen to what the professor is saying, uh, pretty foreshadowy. Yeah. No, I thought that 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 lecture that was the material that was chosen was very good actually also that's the first time excuse me that's the first time that fellatio is mimicked or referenced yes <laughs> uh, faith though is at a church group and so there are such different vibes from these two and i just couldn't help but wonder i texted you about this erin when mm-hmm. i was watching it as to why these two groups of people are friends because faith mentions that she's known them since kindergarten, you know, whatever, but it doesn't really seem like faith truly knows these girls. 
you know, like who they really are. She gets warned by the other people in her church group. And this is why I call them the demons. Uh, she gets warned like, oh, be careful around them. They have demon blood. They yeah, are so cold. Well, I mean, they're always just like hugging her and like brushing her hair and like doting. They're all like hugging and doting on each other all the time. Like the, the core four hey, girls. Where's you your know. money? I hope you pray down there in Florida. We're going to go on this trip. Where's your money? I mean, I will say about this, and I think this is to the movie's detriment. Number one, I couldn't often understand like what they were saying. And I was like, I want to put on, I could put on subtitles, but also I don't want to. Um, And like, it's, the the i couldn't tell the the first three the blonde ones apart um for mm-hmm. an, almost until the end and maybe i would say at least 60 percent of the way faith because she has dark hair but do you um, think you have to like the the, the I think central the hair choice duo wasn't... is like they are to a certain extent a unit like it, i'm, I'm not saying that they're the same person but they are kind of the same person like they are they are one mind in two bodies almost. That's what I'm saying. It was such a shallow characterization or they were a unit that of course I'm not gonna believe the friendship. Like these these are very thinly drawn characters. They are they are characteristics of his like of an idea of a college girl rather than mm-hmm. an actual person. So obviously but they're not, I'm even not a gonna real college girl. Like they're just uh, they're psychopaths. But that's not clear from the beginning. It's only clear it's at the end. Clear. It's not well, at the beginning. They're just trying to have, I mean, they do some crazy, sh- I mean, like, you know, we all know that Chicken Shack is where the money's at. So they robbed the, they robbed people at gunpoint and then burned a truck. So, I mean, like that happened pretty early on. Um, To circle back quickly to the hair though, I think that was definitely a choice to have the two demons blonde and then, you know, the pink hair for like, you know, Potty. the second to go. And then obviously Faith sticks out like a sore thumb and they make that very clear with like her dark hair and also her positioning often in shots. She's separated. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just uh, don't think it is clear, even though they do like a, a crazy thing, it, it comes off, if, if some boys were doing that, like 17 year old boys, I don't think we would be accusing them of being psychopaths. Fair um, point. So I just I I did obviously pick on like how crazy they were by the end, but I also took that as like the buildup. Like you start small, you know, you have your gateway crime, and then because you need money, lots of people from like desperate, like wanting to do something, wanting to fit in, try do crazy things to get money. And this is a movie, but then like it becomes clear that like as they get intoxicated by the lifestyle, like what is actually these two characters are made of but i do not think that's there in the in the beginning well, well so I'm... at the beginning when they do the robbery it's in this part not presented that bad and there's actually the lines that they do to hype themselves up are interesting and this is one of the parts where i wonder if it is actually commenting on something in an intentional way the lines where they start to hype themselves up for the robbery are uh just pretend like it's a video game act like you're in a movie or something we can do this you can't be scared of shit you got to be hard these are all like you know like repeating rap lyrics basically right and so then you see kind of see the robbery happen from afar from Cotty's mm-hmm. perspective and it just looks like they go in and get the money and like you know and and the burning of the car is like this really like cool silhouetted shot where they look really cool Absolutely. you know like out of a, an action movie or something it's like yay we got the money but then later, 
they circle back and show the robbery and it's scary as shit. I really wanted to talk about that. Yeah, it's because really violent. Yes. So there. First of all, I love this. I really enjoyed the scene where Cotty is in the car driving past them doing um, the robbery in the background. I thought that was a really cool scene. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, all the super hyper violent scenes in this movie are like subverted or like juxtaposed with like something like ironically light and fluffy like music or just like inappropriate music, things like that, almost like it's removed from reality, except for when they are reenacting that scene for Faith. And it's wicked scary. It's like really yeah, the incredibly fun music scary. drops out. There's exactly it's, it's just cinema verite. But you get this idea that there's this sort of psychopathic, like, they're not really connected to what they're actually doing. Yeah, even if those were guys in that second scene doing it, you know, men in balaclavas smashing shit up with a hammer, I think it would be a pretty fucked up scene. I mean, I agree with you that I think he definitely has something to say when he's like very deliberate about having them say, just pretend it's like a video game because that is how the final scene is absolutely mm -hmm. shot. It is staged like it's from Grand Theft Auto and you know could potentially like be like shot for shot out of out of a game like that so i mean yes i i just i'm not saying that the setup and like the message of the game isn't there it's really just about the characterization being lacking for me mm -hmm. now you were erin you've been talking about the all the fellatio and sort of the you know the male gazy stuff and this might be a good point to just kind of interrogate that a little bit um sure. the movie is very borderline pornographic mm -hmm. definitely is it pornographic like is this meant to be titillating is it is it the male gaze or is this something that is meant to be saying something about the male gaze? I mean, that is the question, right? I felt like, again, the amount of tits and ass and sexualized, you know, situations, you know, fellatio innuendo was if you're trying to make that like a point, like we got it a, a long time ago, I think there was a lot of superfluous scenes that if you were trying to make a point about it, like you made it and then there was a lot of extra on top of that. If yeah, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, the movie's trying to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. Absolutely. This whole, the, the whole, that, and that applies for like that statement, Dave, applies for a lot of this movie. And I agree with Aaron, Ed, but I think that stretches, you know, back to the filmmaker, like, I think he does want it to be the latter. He does want it to be a commentary on it, but it, it does walk that line where it does slip into, you know, you're still choosing to mostly shoot 18 year old, 19 year old girls and linger. And you can just tell when a scene is, you know, shot for like from a female director versus a male director a lot of times because of the types of shots that are chosen. Like the, when, when they choose shot, crotch shots when they choose like boob shots like why not keep it sleek and like show the ugliness that like mm -hmm. yes sometimes men expose themselves to and like why not like show guys like I don't know peeing outside or puking or like flashing their dicks and like 
that mm-hmm. also happens at spring break, but he's just not interested in that. Side it's of true. Well, and some of those spring break footage I found to be actually pretty crass and ugly to tell ex- you the truth. Sure. But I, I, again, yeah, it's, you know, there's no, all the pornographic shots are pornographic in terms. There is no like ugliness to it. Like there's no, they should have shown them maybe a, a wider variety of that sort of hedonism. Like it's a very particular type that they are showing constantly. And that's a young girl being like sexualized and, okay, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, keep, keep this in mind. We'll circle back to it during discussion of one scene that comes up later. And they never have clothes. They're always doing everything in their <laughs> bikini. Sprang brag. They lost their clothes when they got arrested, I think. Yeah, I don't but then think they, they just ever like, got No, they were never, never going to wear clothes. They were like... never going to wear clothes. Um, Faith makes this call to her grandma here. And uh, you Sorry, guys. Sorry, guys. I just need to take it. five. I need to talk to my grandma real quick. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so there's a little more to it here, though, than uh, just it being dumb. Because, uh, you know, there's a couple of things I, I like about it. I, I It bored me the first time I watched the movie. And I was like, okay, time for a pee break. Yeah, uh, that's how I felt. <laughs> watching it this time, I got more out of it because one, there's this sort of like youthful innocence to it that speaks a lot to who Faith is where, you know, I don't know if you've ever been young like that and gone on a trip and had that sort of like false epiphany where you're sort of like, oh my God, this is like, totally who I really am just because you've gotten out of your original situation you feel like you're found yourself you know and it, it you're you know she's not actually doing anything that interesting or deep she's just you know she's gone playing on a scooter and she's meeting other partiers and stuff but you hear her talking about it in these highfalutin terms mm-hmm. and it's just well, like I've done this you know I, I've, I've gone on a vacation also and- done that and she also articulates like even before not just on the phone call but that like that's the reason she goes on the trip even if she's not one of these type of party girls she is sick of her home environment you know maybe she grew up near there where she went to school and she's just kind of always been in this environment and she really wants to just have new experiences and so that's like the reason she goes on this spring break trip, uh, as far as I understand. Yeah. And, Do you think, yeah, yeah, she's always like, I found myself here. It doesn't, right. no, you didn't. Yeah. What? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also what she says too is, uh, it's so nice to get a break from reality for a little while. And, you know, what that means to her is just that. But um, when you take that same logic and apply it to psychopaths, like the girls that she is with, and to them, if you tell them that they're taking a break from reality, that means to them, rules don't apply to us anymore. We mm. can do whatever the fuck we want now. So there's like a, an underlying sinisterness to that, you know, and it's right around this time. Up until this point, it's so far, it's just been innocent, good fun. You know, she has this scene with them in the pool where she's like, oh, I just wish I could click this and have it be like this forever. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah. a question, guys. If you could freeze life. When have you ever had you, a moment like when, that? Where when like just for a single it? moment, you knew everything was perfect? Yeah, let's let's get let's get That's everyone. A personal place. question, Faith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like you to tell all of Dave's listeners. I think I'm going to reframe. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to 
dump it out for everybody to hear. Yeah, but I have my, a couple like, of times in my life where I actually like knew, like what Faith is talking about, like where if I could have just clicked stop right there, like everything actually was perfect. Yeah, yeah. I also definitely have that as well. And it's usually on a trip, you, right? It's usually on a trip. I was also thinking of, of mm-hmm. travel. Yeah, yeah. A but, few, yes, yeah. A new, a new exciting experience with like really um, important people. I think those are the key aspects that they're, that they're identifying there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And there is something to be said about that in terms of getting into their mentality. I think that's a good point, but yeah, she is just mercilessly, mercilessly made fun of for that comment, (laughs) that very sweet comment. (laughs) Oh, we're making fun of her too. Yeah. Well, it's because fate's the fucking worst, but you know. And we're older and wiser. So uh, right after this, though, is when everything starts to take on a slightly harder edge, though, and it wrecks face perfect little image of how everything is supposed to be. It's not fair. This isn't how it's supposed to be. It's not we're not fair supposed to, me. to be in jail. Yeah, they get Sorry. arrested. I feel like and this is where Alien faith, really like oh. rock this whole time. I feel really bad. Wait, say again. I keep feeling like I'm making fun of my friend Faith. <laughs> You let's, are. Which I am not. Let's talk about a really important scene in the movie where they sing Britney Spears. And that brings us to Britney. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I feel like we need to get... A, that's a little We're bit... We're not moving. talking about the Britney doc. We don't have time. Do you guys think that she should be free? Because I do. God damn it. You know, this is really controversial, but I actually also think she should be free. So they're in jail, and this is where we meet... James Franco, alien springs him out of jail. And I'm just like, shit, girls, you never heard of stranger danger? Yeah, what the fuck? They're like, yeah, we'll just get in the car. Although to be fair, uh, the way things turn out, it's more like alien should have been aware of stranger danger. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he just, he, this marks a turning point in the movie because this is where it just gets a whole lot funnier. I'll be your chauffeur. Y'all can play Beyonce. Um, Aaron the, says she wouldn't have gotten in that car. Dave, would you have gotten in that car? I would not no have gotten in the car. I would not have gotten in the car. <laughs> um, they have no money and they have, and they're just wearing bikinis. I would have at least asked for a lift back to the hotel. No, definitely not. I would definitely not do that. Um, they personally. have no shoes. I, I don't, I don't care. I would just like call a taxi and then like tell them I'll pay them when I get to the hotel room. Like I just, I'm not, I would, I would get a ride from another stranger. I would hitchhike before getting in the car with him the way, I mean, like he just like, essentially, it looked like he was just buying them at like a slut auction. He's like, I'll take them, you know, like I'm not getting in his car. Are you kidding me? Okay, so I would have gotten in the car, but the next scene, I would have been gone. The local gangster party. Well, I think it's when he introduces the twins. Yeah, I would would have been out at that point. He he is still kind of trying to convince him, but you'll notice that the demons get interested when he says that he's got money. Mm -hmm. I'm made of money. They should call me money. Oh my God, when he was like talking in that grill, like, and his like lips weren't even moving, I, yeah. It's so funny. Uh, he's, he is kind of charming. You got to admit. I mean, it's, it's a performance. Like, James Franco knows how to kind of 
go disarm you with a character well he does he he is charming in the sense that he's he always has that really creepy smile when he's talking especially noticeable when he's interrogating faith about like why the fuck what's wrong with faith he's like there's no problem. And this whole time he's really close to her face and he's really intimidating, but he has this big ass goofy grin on his face. Like he's smiling the whole time. And I thought I that mean, was very effective. He's a gangster with a heart of gold. Yeah, That's true. As he likes to tell you. I mean, it's interesting about the dialogue of this film because it's either like infinitely forgettable as in like almost stilted and cheesy or it's quotes. Yeah. Like there's kind of no middle ground of like normal talking. This um local party that he takes them to, it has a way different vibe from the spring break party that they have, and Faith can't hang with it. I can't say I blame her, but there is also an, an uh, there's a racial undertone to her discomfort. We definitely can say. yes, yeah. I would say. Um, also, her reaction, it's like, fucking toughen up, girl. Like, if you're going to be like, you can be like, look, guys, like, I don't really like this. I'm going to, I'm going to go. Instead, she's like crying. It's not fair to me. And this isn't when I, like, I don't know. There's just something. I don't know. I think it, well, she's like, a- if she breaks it, the way she breaks down is very, very childlike and I, I would find agree it really that she's I'm... very annoying and that her complaining is not pleasant to listen to. But guys, I mean, she's right. Like she's got this thing. She's got this gut intuition that something bad is going to happen. And she's 100% correct on that fact. I mean, two days later, the other girl gets shot. Alien is not good news for them. They would be better off if they went with her. Faith. <laughs> but she had no her friends yeah. are the bad news. Exactly. Like she had no problem that her friends like violently robbed people to get them there. In which she and they like really, you know, acted that scene out for her. She was like, that seems kind of scary. But now I don't agree and that this, she has no problem with that. It's been building. Like, yeah, she she, she was disturbed by that. She, I fair. mean, she does, you know, what plenty of normal people would do, which is look away to get what something, look away from something bad, so that she can enjoy something she likes. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a, a human type of behavior. It's not great behavior, but it's very relatable. I, I just like that at the at this place where someone is seeing that Faith is uncomfortable, their reaction to it is like. Come on, we gonna party. Stop acting scared. Well, I mean, are are we gonna talk about the racial element of the movie in terms of how Harmony Corrine uh, portrays white people versus black people? You want to talk about Gucci Mane? Oh, he comes who- in later, but we could talk about him now. Well, it starts here though, because uh, almost exclusively, the people in all the spring break scenes and the college scenes have been white. And that's not to say that that's not an accurate portrayal of how um, people in like the South would interact, you know, both at college and on spring break. But it's like, does what what is it about the way Harmony Crean starts portraying black people at this point? And does did that make anyone else uncomfortable? Well, I, it made me a little uncomfortable. But yeah, uncomfortable. Yes, but I took it to be kind of an accurate portrayal of like the spring breakers are people from outside who Mm -hmm. are coming in to treat this place as you know basically a junkyard for them to party in whereas this is where now they are starting to interact with the locals 
who apart from alien are mostly black and they're just like i mean there is something you're walking into this situation in your underwear essentially like buy a camisole feel so much more comfortable with the camisole and faith just play a game of pool drink a beer and then leave like i don't i don't know i i just i mean every every black person in this movie is uh, associated with a criminal element like i'm not saying that he's not he's deliberately putting these characters into entering like a criminal um environment to be fair though everyone in this movie is a criminal except for faith well, not all the not all the spring breakers that they were partying with. I mean, I just I just think it I just I just don't think it was very deftly done. That's all I'm gonna say about it. All right. That's fair. I, I would agree. And so would Faith, probably, because she bounces at this point. But that means also that now that that wet blanket is gone, the real fun can start. And this Look is where we shit. get we get to the best scene in the movie. Oh my god. I'm just gonna I'm just going to say some of it. Just Look quote at my the entire cell thing. Phone. This is my Look fucking my dream, cup. y'all. All this shit. This is my pen. Look at my shit. I got shorts, every fucking color. Every fucking color. I got designer <laughs> t-shirts. I got gold bullets, motherfucking vampires. I, I got, got this Scarface. I'm on repeat, Scarface on repeat, constant y'all. I got escape, Calvin Klein escape. Mix that shit up with Calvin Klein. Beans. That was, smell that was nice. my favorite line in the movie. I smell nice. Yeah, I got fucking nunchucks. Look at my shit. This ain't nothing. I got rooms of this shit. Oh, I, I. Is that, that is, is the that scene the where I was like, yep, this is my roommate's favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> is that the scene, Dave, that made you go back and see it three times? I actually like made an Oscar and mailed it to James Franco because it's fucking hysterical. There is a James Franco scene a little later on, which is the scene that I predicted was the scene that made you want to see it three times. Second but... best scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's so I, good. Did you guys wrote, not well, like wrote, the scene as I much as I did? In, no, I, I loved the scene my, as well. In my notes, like I, I did think it was very entertaining, but like I think that's when the movie started kind of started kind of going off the rails because that well, this is, is where it hit the rails for me. <laughs> yeah, this well, is in deep the, in the second act. You're like, what the fuck? This is not a spring break movie anymore. I, yeah, I, exactly. Like it becomes, it goes from being one kind of movie to another. And so I wrote like, I have a nagging feeling like I'm being conned. And that is kind of how I felt for the rest of the movie, which is sort of trying to in, put these other elements of plot um, and character into a film that up until now has just kind of been an art piece about like spring hedonism. break. <laughs> yeah. But it's still Violence. about hedonism. No, I know. It's just a different chapter of hedonism. Hedonism is kind of the glue that binds the whole movie together, really, in a lot em- of ways. And violence. Yeah, empty consumerism. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it is about like, if, if this is your religion, if this is what you care about, then it's very easy to go down a path where these are actual real events. In these terms are values. Of, yeah. Well, what, they, what, the, what do you do to maintain this? Because they, you need money to maintain that. And so like, you, could do, you could get to doing real crimes. Yeah. You know, he says he's a hustler and they respect that. Uh, I like how his license plate says baller, mm-hmm. but uh, he, he apparently he couldn't get the E, I guess. Well, you got that awesome alien head, though. I mean, his car is 
is pretty dope. And the money, um, the money hubcaps. Come on. Uh, this is where money Gucci Mane enters the picture. Uh, do we want to say anything about him? I thought he was perfectly I didn't good. No, that yeah. that was Gucci Mane. I, I also but, didn't know that that cool. was him. Um, yeah, he was fine. And he also is, uh, you know, a threatening presence. You can talk about that being racialized too, but I think, you know, in context, it is not something I especially noticed, you know. I don't think any of the black characters were portrayed necessarily racially. It was just that that's the the only yeah. they were only with like criminals and associates. It might have been better for you than Faith if there were more black people mixed in amongst the Spring Breakers, or if we'd even seen anything like about like you know the like, the town, the South, like anything about that. It's just like such a segregated movie, but that's never referred to. Yeah. by in any way i not that it, the characters would be talking about that but it's just it's just never alluded to right it's like so, carmony crane doesn't think about it he's like well these are like they're really just devices in the story that he's serving they don't have any personal characterization themselves so alien blows one of his guns okay that's a little misleading the way that you've said that <laughs> tell me how he's made to blow it mm. he is made to blow it um, he, the demons decide to get, you know, a little demonic, a little freaky, a little freaky. And they start to do the, the whole, you know, do um, what they do, do what they do. And, you know, alien is then apparently turned on and starts giving fellatio. This is the only reverse fellatio that we see the whole movie, but it does go with the theme of fellatio, um, to the gun. It's like who's intensely. Got the, who's got the BDE now? That's true. I take the scene as the two of them actually seriously considering killing him until he sort of proves himself to be just as wild as they are by doing that. Mm-hmm. And then after that point, they genuinely truly love him. I think you guys are my soulmates. <laughs> well, he definitely loves them, but I think from this point on they love him just as much. Yeah, I mean, this is when- is in the other room and just mimicked me saying that. I don't think, I don't know if you guys heard that. Stop interrupting. <laughs> I mean, I think this is when it becomes a, a trio. Yeah. Um, yeah. When previously, like- It, it was more been, mercenary. Well, to the trio of them, like, and then that's where Cotty, who's still with them at this point, she's not in that scene. Um, she's kind of out. She's like one foot out the door. She reminds me of that character in Mean Girls that like tells the weather from her boobs. She's kind of just. Yeah, she's kind of like that character in this group where she's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, I'm just kind of here to ride. Yeah. I'll also mention that that scene was kind of improv'd. Um, Harmony Kareen has sort of an improv heavy method to his movies. So he always knows the broad strokes of what he's going to do. And contrary to what you might think from how sort of naturalistic the dialogue is, his scripts are pretty tightly written, but he does like to have a lot of experimentation on the day of where he's shooting. He likes to sort of let the mood on the day take him and have the film be organic in that way. And so uh, this was sort of a thing that James Franco came up with on the day. Yeah, I mean, I liked the dialogue in that scene probably more than almost any other scene. The whole, you know, are you scared, punk, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, this is followed 
quickly by the second best scene in the movie, which again, I just, I was texting with Erin while I was watching this and I mentioned to her that I laughed out loud really (laughs) hard alone in my empty apartment while watching it. James Franco is at his piano. The trio comes out in these bright pink balaclavas armed to the teeth and they ask him to play something something sweet something uplifting play something fucking inspiring and he chooses to play every time by britney spears free britney free britney and we get faith you're right there is a montage in this movie and it's so funny (laughs) i yeah i mean i think i wrote here or i was texting with aaron like is this movie for real? Like, are they serious <gasps> with this shit? Like, oh my God, James just, Franco's big dopey grin throughout this thing. Oh, he's smashing the groom's face in the wedding cake. That was when the lol happened, Aaron. I mean, it is funny, that part, but it's just tonally so different. A lot of the James Franco parts are tonally so different than the rest of the movie. It's almost like he mm. came in and he was such a giant personality that he was like, I'm just taking over this. And the character is not as good, but it 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 feels like certain scenes of the movie are really not on tone with the rest of it. It's I would definitely agree of that with American that. American dream that they're chasing. That sure. is the high point. But I think that scene is almost too funny, actually. Tonally, I completely agree with Faith. There, that's part of why I'm like, wait, is this a good? I, is this a good movie? I, I don't under because. It does it. It's not consistent in its tone. Yeah, that's that where I, the whole but time. I put it was like, it's never boring. It's maybe not good, question mark. But it <laughs> it's is so enter- hard to tell. entertaining. And like that, that seems like absolutely indicative of the entertaining factor of this film. Plus, it's tight. Like, there are only a few scenes where I'm like, okay, cut a little earlier. So it, it's, it, it flows, you know, pretty tightly. I love it. I just whenever when I brought other people to see the movie, this was like the one where whenever I brought someone to see the film, I turned sideways to watch their reactions and get the vicarious <laughs> thrill of them laughing during this one. You know, I mean, that scene is great. Absolutely. I yeah. definitely would have enjoyed I feel like that would have gotten a huge laugh in the theater. And I I think I would have enjoyed like being a part of that. Like I I. I'm very glad that I was able to watch this alongside um, another person, even if it was only virtually. Um, I think that if I had watched this movie alone, I would have had a much less enjoyable time watching. I think I would have- It's still funny seeing him jumping in the air with that big (laughs) stupid grin face. (laughs) I, yeah. I think think this movie does benefit from watching it with others. I think it's one of those films that, that is better communally rather- than um you know alone and that is because of its ridiculous elements yeah you know i say this this kind of comes up later again with the creepy nursery rhyme that james franco says in like the sort of third act of this movie but this second act sort of feels like it's like um james franco's character is like this fucked up prince charming and like the second act is like this it's like harmony corinne does a fairy tale like this is what his fairy tale would look like yeah Um, i feel it yeah so that's sort of but like that is a different tone than the first part of the movie so yeah Uh, it's confusing (laughs) it confuses me (laughs) it's a confusing movie 
I, I, I totally feel you on that. Yeah. After this, uh, there's a drive-by and Cotty takes a wound. So she's out now. Uh, sh- shit got too real for her. So yeah. we're, we're done with Cotty and it's just uh, Franco and the demons now. The gruesome twosome. Yeah. Uh, and we get this uh, before they decide that they're going to assault Big Arch's compound. We get this quickie little threesome scene. I had was literally just texting Aaron mm-hmm. as much um, like, you know, nudity or gratuitousness, like pornographicness. At least we haven't gotten like a lot of old and young people sex. Like as I was texting that, that threesome started. I mean, I also noted kind of the lack of actual sex up until this point. A lot of innuendos and like, but Implied no they're actual doing sex. Like there is sort of that, like, you know, keeping of innocence, so to speak, that, you know, keeping the vir- virginal sort of whatever intact, even though there's a lot of perverting it. And I think that's a harmony, that's a harmony crane, like, um, like hallmark. Like I think Seems he uses be. actual sex scenes at, to shock. I think he uses it to kind of, he, he uses sex to like be like a violent act, not necessarily that it's always like coerce sex, but it's like, it's a, it's a shocking act when he, the way he portrays it. I somewhat disagree with you guys' take on this scene actually, because we've been talking this whole time about how quasi pornographic the movie is. Mm -hmm. And indeed about how sort of psychopathic and maybe even evil if not alien, then certainly the two leads, uh, the demons are. And yet this scene, the only time it shows actual sex, it's frankly, like, I really hate to use this term, but it's very kind of tender and like a lovemaking scene. Like during the scene, multiple times, it's expressed between them that they actually love each other, which stands in stark contrast to the sort of empty, uh, joyless, amoral sexuality that we've been seeing throughout the rest of the movie. And it's all like the three of them are all holding each other very tightly and very, you know, emotionally. I actually thought it was kind of a emotional and somewhat beautiful sex scene i mean i'm not saying necessarily what faith is saying about the sex itself i kind of agree with you actually i just think it's interesting to know that there was no sex up until that point in the movie and that even though that was like dripping with empty sexual gestures it's also interesting to me that it's like this is a a unit of three that appears to be very much in love with each other you know as opposed to a couple yeah what do we think about about it being intercut with um the gucci main character with the um the other two women i don't know if they're sex workers or what um i think they're sex workers it Um, seemed kind of unnecessary to me because you've already made your point I don't know if it was meant to contrast necessarily with like, you know, the empty spring break sex versus like this emotional sex, or if it was just simply the whole movie has been chopped up with, you know, present is mixed with flash forward or flashback all the time. 
so you know the it's it's just constantly chopped up like that it seemed intentional <laughs> yeah it could have been it's also a little repetitive at this point in the movie i started finding it maybe annoyingly repetitive hmm. um but anyway yeah, I, 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 I don't know I mean, I, I guess I wasn't trying to say that this, the sex scene between the three, um, the demons and James Franker was shocking. I just think that, that Kareen is very deliberative of when he actually chooses to display sex versus talking mm. about it. Mm. There was a very, it seemed to be a very deliberate lack of sex up until this point in the movie, um, including, you know, his, his wife, Cotty. <laughs> A courting disaster in that earlier part. But she's like, you know, literally just like teasing those guys. Yeah, I was really worried for her. Yeah. So they assault Big Arch's compound. Alien dies immediately, which is pretty (laughs) hilarious. I thought this might actually be the part where you decided to like come back for a third a third time into the theater. And blowjob scene was Get shot right away. Uh, no, it was. Uh, I, I liked the look at my shit scene. That was where I started to really love the film. But, you know, the two demons are not of this earth. They are demons. So they go in and completely massacre the place. Just like a video game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They With, ca- like, the music again, you know, subverting the actual reality of what's happening. Right. Because, again, like, you know, they, they are not really... Like I said, they are actual demons. They're not human. It would make no sense for them to get shot. They are protected by the devil, basically. They kiss Alien's body goodbye, and they fuck off home. And um, this is where we get a repeat of the voiceover from before. We mentioned this um, as something we'd come back to. So... Previously, we got this voiceover, but it was coming from Faith. This time, if I'm hearing it correctly, this time the voiceovers are the two demon girls making the call back home to their own moms. Mm -hmm. But what's happening is that they are saying the same thing to their moms, but they they're psychopaths. They are not capable of feeling these feelings. So all they're doing is just, they are stealing what they've heard faith say and saying it to their moms as a kind of like simulacra of what a human being would say Mm. in order to pretend to be uh, real girls before Do you think they that that's obvious because I think that's a that's a perfectly good take and it might be the correct take. I just don't know if that's what I picked up on the first. I time. didn't no. I didn't see it that way until this viewing. That makes a lot of sense to me because there was a sort of you know I mean I, I was that this is a strange thing for them to be doing. I don't really feel like these characters are remorseful in any way. They're, so yeah, it, I don't think this they is are. a strange like. So Dave, strange set of conversations. If you're saying have. you didn't see it until like whatever, how many fourth. times have you seen this movie? Your fourth time fourth seeing time. this movie? Is that a good thing? Uh, or do you think it's maybe just a take on that statement? If that's not obvious to everybody watching the film, but it's actually an interesting point of view that this film might have to offer, is it too 
indirect. Well, it could be that I just didn't catch it the first few times, you know, because none it, of us in the voiceovers, it, they say mom instead of grandma because Faith is talking to her grandmother in the earlier calls. And we do see them at the phone booth. So it just it maybe just took me that long to realize what was happening. I guess no. I just kind of thought it was a bit of a heartwarming. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Did that make sense to you when you thought about it? I mean, I was like, they're finally free and they can go off and walk into the sunset. Spring break forever, bitches. Well, I think in- that's an OK take on it, too, though. Like I, now I, I they're going to go. That's a valid take. Well, what I think is interesting, um, which I, I meant, wanted to mention before. So the scene where they're going to spring break is on the bus is very crazy and fun. And then you get the two people, you know, you get Faith and Cody who leave early on that bus, you know, juxtaposing that that bus back, you know, spring break is over. Everything is the worst. Everything is so Great. sad and miserable. And I thought that was really well done. Actually, I really enjoyed seeing, you know, the scene on the bus back home for both of them. But the two demons get to drive home in this hot ass fucking car. Lamborghini. Lamborghini yeah. 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 Which, you know, what is that saying? <laughs> I don't think they take it it the whole way home. They probably got to ditch that car. I don't know, but like that's the scene they're showing as opposed to the really sad, depressed bus ride home for the other two girls. Mm. And I think that's like an interesting thing. I didn't think they were going back to college, like, but it was kind of like there were broader horizons beyond spring break, maybe like they were finally enlightened to what end, I don't know. (laughs) Two violent (laughs) delights, I believe. They have violent ends, but not for them because they always come through without a scratch. Yeah, I don't know. That was just it was the slightly different take that I had on it on this viewing. I I mean, I definitely appreciate that take because, you know, I I just again, these characters are not characters that seem at all remorseful. So they're demons. Right. I mean, I think if they were like legitimate psychopaths, the movie could have done a little more work or the acting could have been a little at a higher level to sort of bring that across mm-hmm. as I agree. the movie progresses. It's not obvious. As obvious as it could be. Yeah, because I mean, upon it, first viewing, if it really is a fable or a fairy tale, then you kind of not exactly you don't want to telegraph the message, but you do want to keep taking things to a higher level. And it kind of goes from like all innocent fun to like, deathly dangerous pretty quickly so yeah I don't know I think I would have liked a little more progression of like they do a little bit more maybe they try another robbery or something like that before they meet the the James Franco character yeah I don't know there's it it, feels like um just thinking back on the whole car bus thing it feels like they have taken control of their future as opposed to the other two that are now forced to go back to their prison of yeah of like life or whatever mm. whereas they've actually transcended from the spring break experience and of like they have become free. spring break <laughs> yeah spring break. They, they are, are spring, spring break, break forever, forever. <laughs> what what would this movie have been like if matthew mcconaughey had played the james franco role I'm matthew sure mcconaughey is he- the lead in the beach bum right i know but oh, isn't yeah, that movie supposed to be terrible i don't know i haven't seen it yeah. I mean, it's probably pretty to look at. Perhaps. All right. Well, let's talk meta stuff. So the movie had a budget of $5 million. Guess the box office. I'm so fucking bad at this. 
15 million. I think this movie did okay when it was out. I'm going to say uh, 38 million. This movie made $31.7 million. Super close, Faith. But she went over. Ooh, that means I win. Yeah. What was the budget again? Uh, Five. Oh, okay. I mean, it it looks pretty great. Like, I think that was good for five million. They spent that money really well. And I think, you know, on whatever, like the cinematography or the post edit probably is where most of it went. The edit was, uh, I I watched a little bit of behind the scenes stuff on the DVD. So I was, I I bought the DVD (laughs) and uh, it was pretty interesting. They said they put a lot of work into the edit, which I think shows. So Rotten Tomatoes, this is a little interesting. 67% 67% positive score from critics, which makes it fresh. A 38% score from the audience, which makes it rotten. What? I am very surprised to hear that audience rating. Would you Not... have voted positively, Faith? No, I just thought that the, the audience rating um, like online is always skewed male. And so I would have thought that this would be a popular movie with young men. <laughs> Why would you think that, Faith? <laughs> There are a few reviews of this that I've found interesting, and I'm actually going to read them. And uh, a couple of these are longer than normal, so just hang on, hang with me for them. If I you actually don't mind. went back and read a couple reviews too after I watched the movie because I was curious about what critics had to say. So yeah, go ahead, Dave. All right. So on the positive side, uh, first I want to read a quote from Monica Castillo, who is writing for Bitch Media, and she wrote. Behind the film's vacuous, candy-colored outer shell are ambiguous and morally challenging concepts. This stands in stark contrast to what was said by David Sexton for the London Evening Review, who said, You start the film wondering what the moral take on all this uninventive debauchery is going to be. Is it a satire? But then... Realize with dismay there is no take on offer at all. Now, back on the positive side, James Berardinelli for Real Views had this to say, and this is uh, one of the long ones. These aren't three good girls who have shed their inhibitions for a week of hedonism. There is something much, much darker. This is the territory where sociopathy meets normalcy, where the desensitization of conscience opens up terrifying possibilities. In another movie, these girls would be sex objects, and Spring Breakers were all too aware of what lurks under the pretty packaging. Spring Breakers isn't for the crowd looking to be titillated and entertained in a light, breezy manner. The titillation is a hook. The material itself is dark and uncompromising. This isn't mainstream fair, although it's probably the most straightforward material Kareen has been involved in since kids. The strengths more than counterbalance the weaknesses and help Spring Breakers to deliver a more disturbing and substantive experience than one might expect from an exploitation-tinged title. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. However, my favorite of them all comes from Stephanie Zat. Zacharek, Zacharek, not sure, but she wrote for NPR and she had kind of the flip on what we just heard, which is Corrine is tap dancing so fast that it's never really clear exactly what he's up to, but none of it adds up to much in the end. 
although parts of Spring Breakers are very funny, there's also something tisk-tisking and superior about it, as if Corrine had thought a lot about young middle America's idea of mid-semester fun and decided he doesn't like it one tiny bit. Oh, actually, I, I thought I was going to agree with that review, but I think of that, all the reviews, I, I agree with that the least. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I think he really thinks that he, he's got the inside scoop, mm-hmm. but I think that he's incorrect about what the inside scoop really means. Like, um, I don't think he's trying to lecture at all, really. I think he You really don't think there's kind of a, a moralistic kind of dim view of um, the kids today? Like, not really, no, to be honest. That's how he portrayed kids in the 90s. Um, you know, the kids how they are here are not that different than how the nihilism of the kids in kids or in gummo. But the difference is that here it's less realistic in the characterization because he's no longer that age. Hmm. It feels more authentic in those earlier films because he's coming from a place of being with the characters and here he's with them, but he is older than them. So he's not actually inhabiting the world like he thinks he is. I want to wrap up just with, a couple of notes. I don't always do awards, but there were some that I want to point out. This movie made it onto multiple top 10 lists in 2013, including for A.O. Scott and Manola Dargis for the New York Times and Ty Burr writing for the Globe. Quentin Tarantino said it was his favorite film of 2013. Figures. And there was that does a, not surprise me. Yeah. There was a legit campaign to get James Franco nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And along the way, he won a few of the uh, other Best Supporting Actor titles on the way to that. So he won the National, uh, he won the San Francisco Film Critics Circle Best Supporting Award, National Society of Film Critics, and the LA Film Critics Association. He tied with Jared Leto. And then lastly, at the Golden Trailer Awards, Spring Breakers won for Trashiest Trailer. Hooray! Is that a category? It's they a category. Just for this, the year this movie came out? They invented it just for them, I suppose. I have no idea. But That reminds me of one of the trashiest things I forgot to mention earlier. When they're using, they use everything to make a bong, including that baby. Remember that? in that party in the be- there's a party in the beginning at college and they're using like a a toy baby as a bowl well sometimes in college and you just don't have a bong you gotta they're, be inventive erin at least using, it wasn't a real baby i mean yeah i guess there's i that. don't have nothing for a bong but i do have <laughs> charlene over here i mean they also they also use- turned a baby into a beer funnel but. I don't have nothing for a keg, <laughs> but I do have Darlene over here. Stop having kids and start buying party supplies. I, I did like that this movie was free of like Southern stereotypes. Uh, I thought that was refreshing because like James Franco Unlike is this a podcast. Car- right. He's a James Franco is a caricature, but like I believe that that man existed man. In, yes. in Florida like a thousand times over. Well, guys, this that was all I've got for Spring Breakers. So all that's left is to hear your final thoughts. Oh, boy. And in your sum up, you can tell me if you thought the movie was better late than never. Now, when I ask you that question, 
what I'm asking is if the movie was better late that this movie fills some critical gap in your movie viewing bona fides that it was critical in some way and you had to see it to be a properly well-rounded movie viewer or if it's never that means that you could go your whole entire life without seeing spring breakers and that would be fine i'll let faith go first thank you i need more time to think <laughs> and it was written all over your face yeah i mean I actually think that in this case, in this instance, um, it really is down to your interpretation of the question, because I think that the way you just detailed the parameters, which is the normal parameters for this podcast, the film, I would say, I think it's in a contribution to cinema in that Harmony Crane is a filmmaker who has a lot of, if not influence, he gets notice like he has a place in indie and art house cinema. So I'm not like, oh, I wish this movie had never been made, but taking your parameters, Dave, and how I think you would say a movie that you had seen for the first time, you know, I, do I like this movie? No, I do not like this movie. I, I am fine that I saw it. I thought it was entertaining. I am still on the fence of whether I think it's good or bad, which, you know, it, I'm going to say it's a never for me. It's a That's never. fair. Aaron, you and I have seen it before, so we don't get like legit votes, but I still want to hear what you have to say. Oh, good. I'm glad I don't get a legit vote because I'm just an asterisk vote. Right. You know, to be honest, I found the movie pretty enjoyable to watch uh the second time around and i mean based on your parameters specifically i don't know if it would make a better later never but it sure is fun to be able to be part of the inside joke of a lot of the quoting that would happen from that movie um i know a lot of people a lot of my just to be part of those conversations within my friend group i have a lot of friends strangely all male now that i think about it that really enjoy this movie and it is fun to kind of engage in in conversations on, based on that alone in terms of the movie as a whole i i mean there's something to say in the sense that i don't outwardly know my opinion on it still um it's not like a i really didn't like that movie and it's not a, I really loved that movie. I think it's a little bit, because there, in my opinion, is like a tonal difference that happens in the movie and the narrative a little bit. It's a little bit discomforting to watch based, not because of the actual content, just because of the, like, what kind of movie am I watching as you're watching this movie? Just discomfort. Like, I don't know what I'm watching, which isn't to say necessarily that's, bad thing maybe it's good to feel that sort of discomfort sometimes when you're watching a movie it's not boring the movie was not boring and it was really pretty um really liked the colors I really um I really even enjoyed the EDM music I don't know what that says about me yeah I um, usually don't go for that style of music either but I do like the uh Skrillex song that yeah the throughout. way the music was used was fun. So I don't know. I guess I'm happy that I've seen it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. For myself, um, within the confines of the question and the way 
it's phrased, uh, this movie would be a never for me. I don't think you need to see this film. It's mm. not required watching. A film that you saw three times in theaters is a never for you, dude? Well, you I saw it three times in theaters, though, see? just because I really like the movie. I have a lot of fondness for the film. I even own the DVD. Mm-hmm. I, w- I love showing it to people. I love watching it. I really like the movie. But I don't think it's a movie that you have to see in your life. It's not a movie where if you told me you hadn't seen it, I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, you you have got to see Spring Breakers. You've literally Breakers. said that to You've me. You've said that to me so many times You're like, bullshit, in the last dude. 10 years. This is absolutely a better late for you. Come on. It's a movie. It was- uh, if I said that to you like that, it's more just that I think you've got to watch it because I think it's a really fun movie and a really funny movie. Well, and it's a movie that I enjoy that? a lot. That's but a it's late. not... I don't hold We're it not up. making a canon here. It's not. Yeah, it's it's not something that's in like a, it, it's not part of the canon for me. It's fuck the canon. Well, anyway, I, I just Dave, I, you're I, wrong. I love the movie a lot, but I don't think that a person has to see this film. OK, you know, well, I just that's... I, I recommend it, but from an academic standpoint. I would just like to look at my notes from 2013 from David. Read that. You absolutely have to see this movie. It's essential. Um, It's essential. And also I'd just say too, I I do grapple a lot. We've talked throughout the whole thing about how kind of slippery it is. I I am Mm. with you guys. I've seen it now four times and maybe probably more than that if we count like catching bits and pieces of it. And I still can't quite figure it out, yeah. you know, but I think that makes it interesting. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's that whole thing I talked about in the beginning about how it's part of this whole set of weird movies uh, from directors I don't normally like. I think it would make a really great double feature with the bling ring. Or if you want to make it a triple feature, throw it on with pain and gain, too. And I think you've got a pretty great movie night. So try that out. And that's okay. all I got. So. Spring break forever, bitches. Spring break. Spring break. Forever. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Better Late Than Never. Aaron and Faith, thank you guys so much for coming on. I thought this was a really great conversation. Thanks, Dave. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. If you want to get in touch with us and tell us what you think of Sprang Break, please do so. Email us at betterlatethanneverpod at gmail.com. Tweet us at betterlate underscore pod. Do all that extra stuff about engagement, like liking and subscribing, leaving five-star reviews. If you've ever listened to a podcast, they describe all the things you have to do so I don't have to remember what it all is. Just do all that. Comment, whatever. The point is... Keep downloading, keep listening, and come back next time when we will have an equally fun movie to talk about. And we will see you then. Sprang break forever. Spring break forever.